Mishka Shabali is catching up with friends who are arguably more talented than him. Hello, world. Hi, it's me, the one and only Mishka Shabali. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, but it's staying. Fuck it. Um, I always forget to do this, so I'm going to do this now. I'm going to plug all the stuff I have to plug at the beginning. Uh, 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 not August, September 24th. Uh, Andy Awancio and a bunch of other jerks will be performing live at my house uh, in my side yard. Uh, these shows are always a blast. This one's pretty stacked. It's got uh, Colin, the producer of our podcast here. Uh, Colin Galitko, Adam Baith, Rad Pinkard, uh, who you've heard on the podcast, uh, Critical Miss, a uh, songwriter friend of mine uh, from here in Phoenix, um, and uh, Andy Awancio from Portland, Seattle, somewhere up there in the uh, the, the, the wild Pacific Northwest. Uh, but yeah, coming down here uh, September 24th for a show at my house. If you're in the area, please come hang. It's uh, These are always a blast. It's, uh, it's so much fun to... I don't know. It's just it, it's not a fucking comedy club dynamic, and it's not even like a bar dynamic. It's, you just get to hang out with the comics, and the these are very sort of intimate, uh, personal sets. And you'll meet my cat, my dog, all that stuff. Um, also, I have a Patreon that uh, theoretically goes to, towards supporting this podcast. Um, it has uh, it has been. Uh, long neglected uh, by you and me both, but uh, patreon.com slash Mishka Shabali. Uh, just sign up. I think you can do it for three bucks a month. It makes a huge difference. That Not that $3 a month necessarily uh, affects you or me that much, but if one person signs up from this podcast, I will feel like this is worth continuing. You'll... Uh, You'll assuage my vanity and my ego. It'll give me a little pat on the head, tell me I'm being a good boy and that this is worthwhile. Um, our guest today is Mike Weeby, who is the man, he wears a million different hats. He's a comic. Uh, you probably know him as the singer for Riverboat Gamblers. He also has a band called Dracula's. He is a uh, screenwriter, he is an actor. Um, I don't know a lot of things that Mike Weeby doesn't do. I actually have a cool, weird, uh, convoluted history with Mike. The a million years ago, when I was just just a wee sprout, um, back in 2011, 2012, uh, my old band Fresh Kills played uh, South by Southwest in Austin, and we were we did some some dumb daytime show because that's what South by Southwest is all about. Uh, but the bartender at that gig happened to be none other than Mike Weeby of the Riverboat Gamblers. And um, there's much to be said about Fresh Kills. Fresh Kills was a good band that I think we all put too much pressure on in our heads because it was a bunch of dudes in New York who'd all been in a million different bands, um, all of which had almost done something. And then Fresh Kills what felt like our sort of last best gasp to do something meaningful to tour to put to you know to put out vinyl to go to the you know to go to the UK to um we loved that band we believed in that band and I think we put you know way too much pressure on it but um when Mike saw us play 
it gave us a little bit of a, like a stamp of legitimacy where we were like, oh, we could actually do a thing. And uh, he and Zach, I was already sober by that time, uh, but he and Zach, our singer, ran wild a couple of nights, uh, really clicked, really hit it off, and slept in somebody's car. I don't know. The Mike can give you the details on that. Um, but then Mike and Zach stayed in touch, and Fresh Kills ended up doing a tour where we opened up for Riverboat Gamblers. This was probably 2012. Um, and that's sort of how I got to know, uh, you know, how I really got to know Mike and Ian and Foddy and like the, how I became friends with the band. Um, that also sort of ended up being the end of the road for me with Fresh Kills. I just, I realized that we could just sort of like labor in punk rock obscurity forever. Um, and that, I don't know, we had put pressure on that band to, to do something, to change us. And, um, and I think that's dumb. You you just, uh, you know, in hindsight, I think it's dumb. I think you just have to be in a band because it's fun and because you like it. Um, and because, you know, you're happy with what it's doing now or with what you're doing now. But, um, so that, uh, that tour in some ways, or at least I, I had an epiphany on that tour that things were never going to get better for us. And I, I wrote about it after, uh, Fresh Kills broke up after I left the band. And I think... <laughs> I think I made Mike feel guilty forever that uh, that he was the demise of the band, but um, but he wasn't. We were, and um, and there's a happy ending, which is that uh, you know Zach, after laboring forever with Fresh Kills, trying to trying to sort of push that old bird to fly. Uh, he, then he started a band called uh, Publicist UK that went on to have way more success, way faster, with w- way less effort than Fresh Kills ever did. And uh, and everybody in that band was, we all came out of it okay. Like, I, re- I returned to doing my own music. Uh, Tim Murray just put out a solo record that's great. Um you know, our old drummers living in Rhode Island with his family. Everybody sort of went their own. And, and one of the things that came out of it was... I got to be really good friends with with Mike Weeby, and uh, we have one of those road friendships where we don't see each other very often. We don't stay in touch incredibly well, but uh, whenever I do see him, usually at altercation or um, you know some Austin related event, uh, I am going to see him soon uh, this month in in Phoenix when Dracula's tours, uh, tours through. But whenever we see each other, there's just this sort of high speed download where we catch each other up with all the things that we've been doing and, um, you know, what we've been up to. Um, I feel like I got the best out of this bargain, um, of Mike Weeby breaking up our band because, uh, he was, you know, I think he was sort of a hero of ours before. Um, he's an incredible front person and uh, an incredibly prolific writer and just um, like a hardcore creative in everything that he does. But um, sort of by having that experience of meeting him, going on tour with his band, um, he became smaller as a hero and he became massive in my life as a friend and a friend who continues to inspire me and then through that sort of became a hero in a more meaningful way I don't know um 
listen to the podcast. Weeby's a fucking genius. Um, I listened to a little bit of his podcast. It's hilarious. Uh, buy all of his records. Support this dude. He's, uh, you know, just uh, he's just a fountain of inspiration. Uh, I really love Mike a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, dig this conversation with Mike Weeby from uh, Riverboat Gamblers. Hey, buddy, how are you? Hey, I'm good. I just got home from a blistering uh, Austin traffic episode, which is uh, the new norm uh around here but uh yeah i'm good it was you and sandra bullock in a bus that can't go below 50 miles per hour can't go below 50 miles per hour lots of sexual tension and i acted very poorly in it (laughs) uh dude i was like the i was thinking today i was like oh you know i have a couple extra days now i might as well like catch up on what mike has been up to lately and see if there's like uh a gambler's release I don't know about that I should know about or Dracula's or and I feel like there, I feel like there's everything you've been <laughs> super busy doing a ton of shit and also I didn't realize you had a fucking podcast oh yeah 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 the international news service it's very silly dude it's so fucking funny I was like oh, I'm gonna thanks, man. I'm gonna throw this on real quick just as you know sort of so I can get the gist of what this is all about. The because I, now suddenly I am the I'm the champion of uh, of white dudes with unsung podcasts. And, uh, <laughs> um, and I was listening. Finally, to it. we get a voice in this fucking world. You know? <laughs> I know, I know. We've been downtrodden for too long. The uh, but I, I was I was like I'm just going to throw this on just so I can get an idea of like what it's about and all that stuff. And the first of all the. There was there were so many of the sort of like weird zoom digital connecting sounds yeah. that and I, I thought that I was like, did Mike stitch these in to fuck with people? Because then I was listening and I was like, have I just developed a learning disability late in life or did I eat mushrooms or the <laughs> or is this the new thing? Is this is the new TikTok? And then I was just <laughs> listening to you guys go on and on about uh, ninja shoes and <laughs> the and oh man it's really good it's so fucking it's so ridiculous we we uh there is some editing in there but some of it's just like zoom shit because it's like people in different spots and then we do a little bit because a lot of it's just like we'll we'll riff for a while and kind of whatever comes out but it's fun it's developed over time where it's just one guy reads a couple weirdo news stories and we react but over time like i it's me and i still talk about stuff that i'm doing but like if you listen to a bunch there's a scope about how i'll just kind of go i'm i was i'm it's me but i'm a lot more uh arrogant and i like talk about movies that i'm making that are like just shipped to the chinese market and uh and just talk about talk about how i'm selling like uh vitamins and mind pills and the alpha guy mindset and try to just kind of so there's like a little bit of a character there's a lot of running jokes and stuff but it's been super fun and it's funny because like those guys aren't you know uh they're just guys that i went to high school with and they've just been friends with them since high school i think the terrifying thing about the podcast is that it's not uh it's not dumb at all it's the it's (laughs) It's actually there's a lot of knowledge packed in there about completely useless stuff 
the, the <laughs> That's very useless. Like, <laughs> you were just like just fluidly listing off like ninja weapons, like just one after another. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. this, yeah. this is what you use that magnificent brain of yours for. That's, that's yeah, what your yeah, story, yeah. that's what you're hanging on to. It's, yeah. uh, if I, I've, I've got the most, I can't remember my parents' birthdays, <laughs> but I, I know who, I know who, you know, was the third lead in the third season of fall guy. Yeah. Yeah, the the shit that we like spend our brains on. The Do you remember that show Mask when we were kids? Yeah, yeah, the cars that turn into stuff. Yeah, yeah. And and then or there was cars. <laughs> they were like they were like it was cars that turn into other cars and everybody had their own mask and the mask each had like a power that you could do on it. Uh mask this uh wow you made me feel a lot better about that because i remember trace elements of that but not the entire like theme song and uh, i just yeah. remember flashes of it like uh like it was a traumatic thing like a an after school special where i'm where it's sort of like uh sharp cuts back to uh tra- you know traumatic memory from my childhood or something yeah yeah but I, I didn't realize you remember it as a whole like oh yeah the second season was where it really yeah, like, yeah. got going now, there were know? there was a couple seasons i believe two i don't know I'm, I'm really i like i guess it's like my baseball stats or something i like just kind of knowing about like tele like television and movie like directors especially like later on like getting to be you know just very low budget but i've done a couple worked in a couple things and when you see like how many insane amounts of parts are connected to make any even the shittiest movie happen and most of the time if somebody like was involved in that arduous process they're probably going to do another thing and there's just these weird names behind stuff that like string it all together sometimes that aren't like the obvious like well tom cruise or steven spielberg or something there's like these really key people that like i don't know that just kind of like were in there and it's, and it's, it's especially funny to me when there are people that did stuff is pretty mediocre but meant a lot to me you know or not even meant a lot but just like i spent a lot of time with donald p belisario shows like uh like uh uh quantum leap and stuff like that and if you watch any like hour-long kind of dramas for kids or like adventure dramas they're like that dude's name pops up in a million different things and uh, at, I don't know, at some point I just started like wanting to collect all that dumb info in my brain. I, um, I sold I sold a couple of T-shirts to the guy who wrote Revenge of the Nerds and Fright oh, Night wow. 2. And, Whoa. Yeah. And, and then I ended up um, I ended up having a phone conversation with him because he's I think he's in Mexico City and he's still like working on scripts and, and stuff like that. And at the time I was trying to write a horror movie. And so I was like, can I, you know, can I send it to you and, you know, get your, get your feedback. And, uh, in the, in the process of scheduling the phone call with him and then having the phone call, I went back and watched some of revenge of the nerds, which, you know, a seminal text in my life. Right. Yes, absolutely. That was maybe, maybe my first lady on screen pubic hair maybe yes yeah absolutely uh, huge awakenings for me also 
so rapey, so rapey, so homophobic. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. The, and so, like, between having this character from my sort of my childhood, you know, having him contact me to fucking buy T-shirts to have him shipped to Mexico City because yeah. he's a fan, and then the and then going back and revisiting that stuff. Uh, oh, it was just it was kind of like weird and horrifying, but also, I mean, the dude knows how to write a screenplay. So I was like, maybe yeah. I can just pick his brain for the mechanics behind it without necessarily getting. Yeah, because it is a very like mechanical. It's more mechanical than I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be, but you kind of do need I think screen. And, and I've listen, I've only written a handful of uh, screenplays that have never been made. But like uh, but in, but I, it seems to me like you need to know the the, the solid mechanics that kind of traditionally work and if you know those really well you can you can know how to break them and do them the right way but anybody who's like ah fuck you don't need to know that shit uh like that's the that's the things that are not gonna work you know there's there's just a thing that just kind of always done right it kind of works but then there's you know i know there's guys like tarantino that don't but i think he knows it so well that he knows how to break it at the exact right times and how to fuck with it perfectly but it is weirdly it is kind of mechanical and some people are weird mechanical about it like by on page 13 this one thing needs to happen not page 14 not page 12 um but i don't know if that's true but i don't know do you so when you're writing a screenplay do you subscribe to all that stuff do you try and hit those marks uh not exactly i try and just there's, I'm more general about it. Okay, so so you, you know you know about it in sort of like loosey goosey around this time. Yeah, this or I'm like this needs happen. to happen around now because I, I don't know. Like I'm not so I'm not again, and I haven't done I haven't made enough like especially like feature stuff. I've written me and a writing partner have written like three features and uh, and then some like pilots for TV shows and the pilots got one of the pilots got shopped around a whole bunch and that's the the tv show pilots are kind of like features but way condensed and uh it's kind of the same rules so but i don't know i will say 100 percent the whole time i was like am i doing this right am i doing i'm doing this wrong i'm not doing this somebody come over and hold my hand like yeah. as with most things in life i'm like somebody tell me exactly what to do because i don't know what i'm doing tell me what to eat <laughs> yeah, yeah. is it is, are the carbs bad or is it just the sugar that's bad do i chew the carbs first are good sometimes I chew first yeah. before I put it in my mouth or yeah, the, I, it's funny because when, whenever I talk to, you know, to, um, well, I mean, when generally it's ghost writing stuff and, and less like writing students and stuff. And, you know, I talk about outlining the project, you know, the, um, when I worked with Lanigan on his book, I was like, you got to have an outline. And he was like, I'm not writing an outline, bro. I was like, Fuck. All right. The, but with yeah. other people, I, I, I'm always fighting for there to be an outline and then inevitably the question comes back to me of like, do you always write an outline for your stuff? And no, I never do the, but I think yeah. that I think it's different when, um, when it's just me writing, you know, writing the thing, there's not, um, there's not a shitload of different moving parts. There's not a uh, director of photography and a gaffer and the second grip, yeah. and, you know what I mean? All that, all the different stuff. And then also I think that, my experience got fucked up because the first thing that I published, I wrote it just from like, 
first word, second word, all the way down to the the last word. Yeah. And then I sent it in and they published it like that. And I was like, I'm a genius. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need your fucking outline. <laughs> I've always wanted that to happen with something that I do. The first <laughs> thing, the first try is, is like, the kids got it. <laughs> I mean, you did that with gamblers, dude. <laughs> I'd, well, I'd been in some bands before, and uh, uh, so yes, there's just some records that I'm very glad are not readily available <laughs> pre-gamblers. The internet came about at just the right time. Yeah. Because there's, uh, there's so many... Ooh, there's a seven inch out there that I did uh, with a band and like, you know, a bunch of different like crappy four track recordings and shit like that. But the, if, if I had had the ability at 14 to put all my, uh, my, my power ballads, my epic love poetry online. Yeah. I would be in high yeah, oh, man. That's a fake name. Yeah. Definitely like comedy stuff too. Of like, God damn, I'm glad some. Some I'm, of that I, stuff was never seen by anybody, you know? I'm still I'm doing so ha- I mean, other than jokes. the eight people at the open mic. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's not to say I don't have things that are really old that are just like, uh, I just need to write more about the uh, That thing always works. Joey Buttafuoco, I mean, come on. I think that was I think that was an advantage that I had before I started writing jokes is that I had seen so much fucking bad, dumb comedy that I yeah um I was I wasn't just sort of sitting at home being like I can, you know I can do this I I was touring and stuff and seeing people telling jokes and I was like this is terrible or you know the um every single one of these guys talks about his dick nonstop yeah and the not that my show isn't mostly me talking about my dick but hopefully I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about that that little that little acorn in a new in a new different way. <laughs> that oh, old, your dick's bigger than an acorn. That old war horse. The, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm not. No, the old war horse acorn. Um, how are you, buddy? What have you been up to? I I feel like the last time I talked to you was at altercation. Probably. Which is fuck. That's like kind of coming up again. Yeah, it's yeah. Crazy. The are you ready? Do you have your whole f- new, new set? Uh, I mean, I'll just make <laughs> it up on the spot. I just get up there and just man riff. Talk just about get into what a, else? A I, I, I start every set. I, every just get up there. First sentence. What else is in the news? You're right. uh, Flo Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, he's here now. He's probably embedded a lot more since since the last time, uh, since altercation. This is true. You feel, is that a feel that is that a constant presence that you guys are sort of dealing with there? Is him and his uh, acolytes. The, I mean, not, people make it sound like the fucking it's the Death Star there now. Yeah, it's really. I mean, it's. I feel like I'm still running around in the same places in the same crew, and there just happens to be a whole new set of places that are doing stuff that I don't really, there's some places that it crosses over that I'll walk into a a place and go like, man, I don't know anybody here. And I mean, like, I don't, there's 40 new comics here that I've never met that didn't live here one and a half years ago, 
which is fine. I mean, I, I don't want to be like the full on like, you know, because always like the old guy that's like the scene was better when the scene was better, man. You got you all missed it. We were here and just because uh, I, I definitely saw that happen with music and kind of felt it when I was like, oh, my my class had graduated and moved on and everybody in town was like kind of into the new class. And I was like, what about me? Remember me? And it was like, my class like suddenly wasn't very cool anymore. Like the, like my grade of like the bands that were in and a lot of it was like, cause you're gone all the time and you just kind of like, it just, things had changed and, and music was kind of shifting, especially in Austin, it was getting a little bit more, just kind of like after the gamblers really started touring a lot, a lot of, a lot of new bands start in the same, like, clubs that we would play a lot that was like this kind of like psych ish things got a lot more psychedelic the black lips and and jay retard and there was like a kind of a new look and a vibe and not that much different but kind of different and everyone was kind of younger uh, and cuter early 2000s yeah totally yeah yeah, yeah. totally and uh and i remember kind of being like coming back and going oh i'm not like i'm not as cool as i used to to be anymore and uh and just kind of or, and it wasn't that it was just feeling like oh there's a new thing coming and this and then kind of getting used to those waves and then like getting into comedy way later in my life where i was already like in my mid to starting to be late 30s and i was meeting all these making all these friends who were in their like early to mid 20s so like 10 15 years younger than me and now this many years later where like a lot of them are in their mid 30s or early 30s and they're seeing all these really young like 20 year olds come in that are like some of them are like really good but there's just a lot of them and they're like seeing like the turnover and they're kind of like what is this and it's it is and I don't want to be like, uh, <laughs> this is what happens. Get used to it, fucker. But it is this weird thing to sit back and go, no, I know. I remember that. And and it's weird because it's going to happen all over again. And just the, the longer you stay in it, I mean, it's got to be so weird for Willie Nelson or somebody where like, this is <laughs> my great, great grandchildren are performing. Willie Nelson's a huge fan of open micers. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, but there's the, got to be a weird thing too. Where I want to stay in touch with like what young, what's like the young, young thing that's happening in all mediums. And sometimes it's very hard to not immediately want to reject it, like TikTok or something like that. Where you're like, well, fuck this, fuck this, man. But I'm trying yeah, to be a, a little bit more open. I I feel the same way, and that's the only reason that I date women in their twenties is you know just to <laughs> so they can learn young to, stuff just to keep a finger on the pulse of culture just to just to figure out yeah. tiktok the no yeah, the, totally i mean the way that culture is supposed to function is that it's supposed to be sort of continually rewriting itself and um I mean, I remember being a kid and being like super into Nirvana and then there was like the the fucking old guy pissing on them being like, oh, you know, they're just like ripping off the yeah. Ramones or the Dead Boys or whatever. And then there was, yeah. you know, fucking Green Day and Blink-182 and, you know, the and there's like the but everybody um, everybody needs that band. And that is how it's supposed to work. It is supposed to keep it's like the um, the teeth of a beaver, you know, it, it, they keep, it keeps getting worn down from chewing wood mm-hmm. and, and keeps growing the, and it's, I mean, and it's because it, um, it's supposed to serve the fans. It's supposed to serve the audience and not us. But, um, after COVID and being just so fucking out of the loop for, uh, two years, two and a half years, 
to go and try yeah. and rebook uh, a you know a tour of the UK you know for next summer or something like that i'm starting from fucking ground zero dude <laughs> like it's just all those yeah all those contacts are gone that whole network is gone all the any sort of momentum i built up or you know the i mean people will, yeah. people will come out people will come around the but i was talking to sean at christmas about this is that it just you know the thought of like booking stuff on the road now it just feels like um yeah we're starting again from scratch yeah, it's very it, – that two years felt like I grew about six years older. Yeah, yeah, definitely um, definitely took a chunk off my life as well. It's tricky too yeah. because every single person – I I mean, I guess if you're listening at home out there in TV land and the last two and a half years have been fucking great for you, uh, <laughs> we want to hear from you. Uh, to, all the all the all to, the out of shape people that are now ripped to kick you Fuck in the you. eye. <laughs> yeah. I do feel that there is there. You don't want to make sweeping generalizations about gender, but let me make a sweeping generalization about gender and say that the most of the most of the women that, that you know who I know are like you know I learned to speak Dutch or you know yeah. the, and all the guys that I know are like you know. <laughs> Look, I learned how to bake bread on my face. Like, look at this beard. (laughs) It's just like, we we just did nothing. And then all the trans people I know are like, you know, I finished my master's and I got my black belt. (laughs) What the fuck? Yeah, it's, I didn't, I did not. It's weird to remember what exactly it felt like in there. Because part of me, I'll occasionally get mad. Like, why didn't I write three albums? And I'm like, well, I wrote a bunch of songs, but it was not like there was so much just weirdness. There was just so much weird going on and yeah. fear and just kind of like, and just like, hey, let me get through the day. And it is, I mean, I'm trying to get back in shape now because I've really kind of gotten a little, little, put a little, uh, it's a little lumpier than I want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I had COVID, I, I packed on eight pounds in like 10 days, which that, that took some determination. I think I was just bored and depressed and just eating like jello and chips, but it's the, I I'm still the, uh, don't worry folks. I'm still uh lithe like a Panther, but also <laughs> my skin feels real tight cause it's full of fat. Yeah. <laughs> I just, the... yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, especially I'm going on tour like in a couple of weeks and it is that thing of like, fuck, I need to, at least even it's not even about vanity i just gotta get some cardio in gotta get some lung capacity for doing that every day i um i saw that you guys are coming through phoenix yeah yeah you want to come out are you around yes i'm uh, yeah i'm totally gonna fucking come hang awesome and these dates are with uh dracula's and dracula's and we're opening up for the toadies and the reverend horton heat which sounds like and it is a weird bill. It is a weird bill, but it like we've done it in Texas, and people like don't, especially the people that are going to see those bands don't know us, and it weirdly works. Like where it'll start out, and the crowd is very standoffish, and then halfway through, you can kind of see them turn, and then by the end, they're kind of they're kind of stoked. And uh, yeah, I think it's because we're doing something real different than either one of those, and it's real 
People like a dumb dumb dress up band. I'm I've found, and I'm enjoying playing in a in a character driven dress up band. The that tour sounds an awful lot like Fresh Kills opening up for what were they Screaming Cobras Cobra something Cobra Skulls uh, Cobra Skulls for, yeah uh, Riverboat Gamblers the of uh, one of these things is not like yeah the others. yeah. <laughs> The uh, but I, I feel like Draculas are pretty irresistible, and w- one of the things that we're finding too is that it's like everybody listens to everything a lot um, more now, for sure, for especially, sure, especially in um like in smaller markets like Phoenix. I went to Idols the other night, and you know in New York it would all just be sort of uh, uh, aging hipsters mm-hmm. un- uncrossing their arms to express yeah. their you know their um enthusiasm their delight yeah and and here it was every single person who likes any kind of loud music yeah yeah and they sort of glossed over anything um intelligent that idols have to say yeah yeah. it was just about like this is the loud part you know i'm I'm headed to the pit (laughs) it's so funny and so corny the that is man i yeah i i saw them a as many South Bys ago, and they, oh. and I, I, you know, I, I liked them, uh, but I was, uh, they're also not the band that I would have pegged to be like as fucking huge as they've gotten, which I don't think I have a good track record for picking what bands are going to be huge. So that's probably par for the course. But it is that thing of like, I can't remember where they're playing, but I, I did see where they were playing. And I was like, fuck, goddamn. I, I bet against both. I liked both bands, but I bet against. The National and Yeah Yeah Yeahs. So <laughs> if I don't like your band, well, not if I don't like your band. If I if I don't if I think your band is too smart to achieve widestream appeal, yeah. that means that uh, that you will never make a fucking wrong move yeah. <laughs> over the course of like twenty years. <laughs> I I would have thought I did think that for the Yeah Yeah Yeahs too. I was like this. I did not think that. I was like, well, this is, I was like, this is as big as, like, right when they kind of got a little bit of mainstream, I was like, this is as big as this band can ever do, because it's, 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 it's weird in a way that I like, but it's, I kind of thought it was like, just like a major label going like, well, let's get something that, it's, it's, there's some dress up like the White Stripes, and it's not a traditional, you know, four piece, and We'll throw this out there. And then I kind of thought this was like a major labels doing that. I was like, man, this is fucking great. But I was like, they're going to get chewed up and spit out. And now they have like some badass singles and giant tours coming out like this month, I think. Yeah. I, yeah, I watched the new video with sort of like creeping dread in my heart that I was like, oh no, this, you know, they've been gone for a minute. Like this is going to suck. And it didn't suck at all. And yeah, yeah. um, That pissing off the edge of the world. Yeah, yeah. Spitting off the edge of the world. I wrote pissing off the edge of the world. Uh, okay. They wrote spitting off the edge of the world, the, which well, did they copy can, me? I mean, I, who, hey, do rock and roll bands ever talk about p- spitting and pissing before? Has that ever been done before? I mean, if you look at Karen O's work, I think it's clear that she's a Mike Weeby stand. Exactly. She's been following. We have, you guys actually do kind of have the same haircut, right? We now. do. Have, I was about to say we do have similar haircuts now. Totally, yeah. I'm wearing lace, fingerless gloves. Um, when when that, that band started, though, I mean, it's like you know, Brian was 
straight up sort of Harry Parch, John Zorn, straight up sort of experimentalism. And Nick Zinner was like um, birthday party in Neubauten and, yeah. you know, like pretty, uh, you know, pretty hardcore sort of like noise rock. And for them to have gone the direction that they did so successfully, um, yeah, I don't know, nothing but props. Yeah, no, so I actually bought a, uh, I was at like a weird record swap or like a DVD, like a VHS swap. And they had like an old DVD that I bought like a month or two ago because that's like the one thing of like VHS and DVD. There's a lot of weird stuff that they put out that's like not even on YouTube. And anyway, it was like a live show of theirs. And I was like, yes, fucking great. So good. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen them live either. I have a uh, I have a gallon drunk DVD that I've never seen anywhere else, and it's uh, and I fucking love it. The, like yeah. I need to go buy another DVD player just so I can watch it again. Physical media, man. The streamers are all going down. Um, one of the things that I stumbled across in my thirty seconds of research before this podcast was the 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 section of the riverboat gamblers wikipedia page that's just devoted to band injuries <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is uh i think you guys may have graduated to the quintessential old guy rock when oh yeah <laughs> between you and Foddy. like i know Foddy just snapped his goddamn Achilles tendon that was like a year i think a year ago right right at about a year ago yeah. Yeah, and that was just like he just did a weird step snap pow. And uh and then it, they went and got surgery and then like managed to like slip and it tore in like a new place. Oh, like I remember 3 this. months later, 2 yeah. months later. And uh but he's he's moving around now so far. Did, yeah, uh, we are the impresarios of injury. <laughs> the kings of contusion. <laughs> Did uh, did he finish the show? It was. It happened to be like the last note of the last song. Ah, that's somehow worse. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I don't know. I guess yeah. There's the the injury gods realize that the show must go on. Um, what? Where are you guys with the uh, the injury count for the McEwens? <laughs> it's mostly. Uh, I mean, it's it's injuries of sin, and there's only four, just injuries. Yeah, <laughs> just a couple, a couple like bad words, accidentally said, or um, mortal injury, covetousness of people's of other people's uh, bedazzled crucifix <laughs> denim jackets. How, dude? How did? I mean, for people who don't know McEwen's break down what it is and how did that come about? It's uh, the McEwen's are some characters that uh, that me and my friend Avery do, and we we pretend to be a married, like North Baptist megachurchy type fundamentalist ish Christian married duo who don't have children who just are youth ministers. And honestly, it is simply repeating things I overheard growing up and turning the volume up, like maybe from nine to 10, barely. Like it's not much of a volume. Some There's some jokes that get laughs occasionally that are 
that's just literally something that someone said to me with a straight face and a sweet southern sweet tea accent. Wow. Just uh yeah. The uh, how do you know Avery and how far uh how far back do you guys go? go? Uh we let's uh, So yeah, she when I started doing stand up, she had been doing it for a while. She was and you know, she's like I think 12, 13 years younger than me. Uh, but she was just always somebody that like her stand up is so fucking funny. She's so good. She's, she she just yeah, riffs and it's so good. She did she did a we were did a McEwen's like the other night and she like went on a riff about just some story that was just I had never heard it before and it was so fucking funny. Like she just I don't know I don't know she's just an insane talent but I, so i was kind of like i was like it was kind of crazy when i got into stand-up like everybody was so good already and most people were like like again like 10 years younger than me so i was all like nervous like hey do you want to be my friend <laughs> and uh but I, I i i think i just saw like i mean I, these were characters like that kind of flipped around but i did see some like random thing about I was researching something for because I'm really into satanic panic kind of stuff. Like, and there's this there's a whole series on YouTube that's pretty fun called Terror in the Toy Box, and it's these uh, these two like dudes, and one is because there was a really really heavy grift in the Christian scene in the '80s where you would just like make tapes and go from church to church. You'd go on tour, and these churches would probably pay you a ton of money, like more than any than we're getting paid, to just show up and go like you don't know what your kids are into. Let me show you this and pull out like a He-Man figure. Go, you know what this is? Yeah, it's He-Man. That's real fun. Guess what? That symbol on his chest, that's that's a tattoo that Satan happens to have. It's in. It's biblical, you know, or whatever, like some insane thing. And uh, I don't know. I've always been in that. And I was watching that. And then sometime a type of algorithm just like landed on uh, – landed on these two like this christian couple that were just being funny i'm like oh, she's the crazy one you know and she's like i am the crazy one and there's just like a little bit of just i don't know there's there's still there's a whole scene of like christian performers out there and um that are just doing it and probably killing it they're making probably tons of money here and there i'm sure there are some legitimate McEwen's christian comedians that are just probably a married couple that are going out and doing a real full, like I'm Tim. He's the Tim Allen. He loves sports and football and working on stuff. And I love bacon, but we have arguments, but it gets worked out. Praise the Lord. Dude, I, I, I mean, I know that you're an actor, you're an inveterate performer, singer, comic. It's so rewarding to watch you try not to lose your shit when Avery <laughs> just fucking goes off and you're yeah. like <laughs> trying to keep it together god it's so good yeah we're doing we have like a thing we've been doing lately where it's like a i wanted it we made up like it's like a game where you like do like slap your hands and thank your knees and thank the lord and thank him please what's your and we just ask <laughs> each other what our worst sin is and then we'll ask the audience what the worst what their worst sin is and um but we always started off we're like and kind of like the bit is like she asked me first and i'm gonna say something very mundane 
because I'm a little bit more like the straight man in this scenario. Like I, I'll say something real mundane and talk about how I got it. And then hers will be this just insane story. And it's different every single time. And like the other night, it was this crazy story about how she ran away from home at 15. I got a job at Circus Circus. And like <laughs> one of the managers like grabbed her on the ass. So she went and got poisoned and put it up in the well water and got everyone in circus circus sick i don't know where it came from it was so fucking crazy and it was so good and i don't i don't i don't even know if she knows where it comes from she just like went off I, it was so funny i keep trying to get avery on the podcast and she keeps like getting scheduled for work and stuff but i gotta call her again and try and get her on yeah yeah she's the hardest working lady in show business for sure so how did what happened? Were you guys just like, oh, let's do this thing? Or were you fucking hanging out at the bar or whatever? And like the, what was the genesis of? I, I yeah, I, I, somewhere looking at that YouTube stuff and like finding some Christian comedy. I think I started doing that, that Jefferson's voice. Just, I'll, I'm, I'll just do voices around, like especially when I'm driving by myself or to to my wife or whatever. And uh, and then I just I, I I knew that it needed. I actually grew up with a lady that was. I mean, she's different, but she was very similar. Her name was Dottie McEwen, and McEwen was spelled differently. So something about that. Something about a grown woman named Dottie just is like always stuck with me. So then I knew I, I just kind of like, and Avery, like, I mean, I didn't know she had any religious stuff, but then at one, one time I saw her performing and I realized that she had a upside down cross tattoo on her <laughs> as well as a King of the Hill tattoo, you know? And, uh, so I was like, I think, man, she would be so good at this. So I, I kind of nervously pitched it at her at one point. And then like the first time we did it, it was for one of JT's shows. And we were like, we, I thought we had like about like, five or six minutes and we just like riffed for like it was like 20 something minutes that we went and it was just like super long and kind of like oh i'm so sorry and they're like keep going and so it was kind of just yeah like immediately like oh shit this works and then it is like fucking probably eight years later or something jesus the so the first the first show that i did where i was performing with comics where i actually did a joke something that wasn't just a depressing true story from my life um, was in Brooklyn and the lineup was like, um, and it was something that JT had put, put together and it was like me, JT, Jake Flores, uh, Nick Mullen, Mac Lindsay. So no uh, depressing jokes there. Oh God. The, how are you going to, how are you going to, how are you going to say something depressing? That's going to bring down the vibe. <laughs> but, but also like the, um, Seth Cockfield, uh, Nick Lavelli, like this whole, uh, the whole spectrum of notoriety. Yeah. You know, of, um, you know, Jake and Nick Mullen have gone on to, you know, to be sort of like huge internet phenomenons, obviously very different, uh, camps now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That is, that is, yeah, it really, it's a very, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the, trying to think of the movie uh equivalent of they both got huge and now they're it it is you know some uh i mean it's like the fox and the hound or something like yeah you know yeah it is it is but uh but yeah i mean it it was daunting for me to 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 sort of like be on stage with those i mean my first dude or my first my first show um 
the first comedy show I ever did was opening up for a sold out gig for Stanhope yeah. in Minneapolis or something like that. So that sort of did you just stick real hard to song stuff like. Yeah, yeah, and I think I played like forty-five minutes or something like that, and people were like, "Get this fucking guy off the stage!" You know, the, there was—I I didn't realize that, like, you know, the opener does like ten minutes. You know, yeah, the, um, yes. Yeah. Oh, ooh, I'm I'm so glad there's no video of that or you know documentation of that. I mean, there's some there's a couple of pictures floating around. I have but, a buddy um, who like uh, you might have even did you ever know Corn Mo in New York, a guy that yeah, played yeah. according yeah yeah absolutely I remember. He's, uh, I remember him telling me that like he did a, a they asked him to do a con and he's from Denton where it was just like, there wasn't, there was no comedy scene in Denton. It was just kind of, there was like a weird, really cool. I think they actually moved to New York for a while, but I, it's defunct now called the good, bad art collective. Yeah, and they just my, put on really my old band used to play there. Oh, rad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They do like all kinds of weird shows and a lot of weird band stuff too. Like I remember playing a show there where. It was one of my bands and then another band and we just like there's two stages and you would like you would like play a song and then they would play a song and it was like it was called like the tennis show and you'd have to turn people would turn back and forth. And then they did a real crazy thing where it was literally like ten bands all set up at the same time and tried to play their sets at the exact same time. It was just insane, but but you know I'm I you know there's no like all the stand up rules of like the light and stuff. But I remember Corn Mo telling me like they, that he ran the light, but didn't know what the light was. You know there was no. He's like, well, I just do songs and uh, usually go about this long, and like that like it was like John Glazer or like Pat Brian. Somebody was just like some comic who'd been doing comic stuff forever was super like what the fuck, man? Why'd you run the light? What the fuck? He's like, I don't know what a light is. <laughs> and that, I, that was, I mean, for sure, like doing starting comedy and all being on brand, all that. And I'm, I mean, all those people that you mentioned, like I was totally nervous doing sh when yeah. I first would be on a show with one of them or whatever. And, uh, and probably still a little bit now, but like, um, the, the, the rules are just, yeah, it's a different thing. And I'm always like, I don't know. I, I, I just, you just don't know that. Cause there's kind of no rules in band. Like I don't get up and get off. Like people barely ever get mad when you go too long in music. Yeah. It's comedy is oddly formalized of it's this and then it's that. And then it's this and it's that. Yeah. And, and, and these are the rules. And like, you never leave the stage until you've handed the mic off to the other, yeah. you know, the other comic and, um, the, but I mean, we were, we started talking about how screenplays are formalized. That makes, that makes sense to me a little bit, you know, yeah. the, the songs I write, Dracula's songs, riverboat gambler songs, that's all very formulaic stuff. We're yeah. all operating under the umbrella of pop music. Totally. Um, but comedy is something that seems, you know, so free form that you would think it would be. It, but I guess it I mean, when shit becomes commodified, that's when it the formula really fucking digs in, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, there's a weird thing of like. Unlike music where. You know, that from house shows all the way to like stadium shows, like there's a stage and then a band gets up and just starts playing. But like comedy, there's like, you really do need a guy to go up and go like, hey, there's about to be a show. People are gonna come out and they're gonna sit and you're gonna sit there and they're gonna laugh and then they're gonna walk. I'm gonna explain to you 
the dumb things of what's going to happen. And like, I'm your host and we've got a great show and there's this guy's going to come out in a little bit. And then later your headliner's going to come out. And then even like the weird, like reminders of like, this is a real obvious thing, but don't talk real loud during this whole thing, you yeah, know, yeah. and which people completely ignore. But like, but like there is a weird, like setting up people for the experience that are, they're about to have that. I don't think like theater doesn't, do that you just sit at your seat and the play starts and music like it's kind of same like you just sit there and the and the play starts but there is a weird thing with with stand-up where it's somebody has to get if it's a crowd of people that are you know if it's not an open mic then even an open mic has somebody in when there's barely ever anybody at an open mic that's not performing on the open night but they're still up there going hey everybody it's the thing that's gonna happen welcome to be here and this formalized thing that's i can't think of any other live thing where you got to do that other than maybe like a live television taping or something i mean maybe it's because comedy is so free form and it's so elemental the, but I mean, it really is. I mean, you know, the thing that the job of a host is to sort of be like the instruction pamphlet. You know, yeah. one, of, one of the things that like a good host always does is like, you know, coming to the stage, very funny, right? So they're, yeah. in, they're instructing you how yeah. to. Yeah. That was one of the things I noticed when I was like touring with Stanhope is that <clears throat> if we had, <laughs> when we did shows with uh, Norm Wilkerson from Austin hosting yeah. as Satan. And so when when Norm was hosting and he was like, guys, come into the stage next. This guy's Doug Stanhope's favorite songwriter, you know, um, then I would have a fucking great night. I would have a great show. And when like when I was introduced as a songwriter and somebody who had Stanhope's approval, then people were like, oh, Mm -hmm. um, I'm a Stanhope acolyte. So I'm supposed to love if Doug loves this, then I love this, you know, and then they would go all in and I would have awesome shows. But when we didn't have Norm with us, when I got up there, people would be like, I'm going to go smoke. Yeah. Or I'm going to talk. This is music so I can talk real loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or we'd have just the fucking the whoever the normal host was at like the laugh factory or fucking giggles or whatever the fuck it was and he would be like, you know, come into the stage, a musical comedian. This guy is incredibly funny. Give it up for me, Shaka Shubaley. You know, and I was just like, man, you just dug me such a deep hole. Like nobody's going to like this. Yeah. Yeah, because even if you get up and the first thing you say is um is you're like, actually this is more uh, depressing songs that are going to bum you out. Everybody's like, all right, there's a punchline that's going to pay off on this. That's the, he's he's yeah. saying that to be, to be, that is misdirect. Yeah, no, the, I'm, I'm, I'm musical prop tragedy. That's yeah. What, <laughs> that's what that is. Well, it, it, that's definitely a weird, you know, it is something that it definitely like the weirder, the format of comedy is the more that, it helps to kind of have something in place like that. Like I think like uh, uh, even McEwen's kind of extra benefits from it's doing the same thing, but complete like kind of breaking the rules and like, we're going to, it's a bunch of people who are like, I'm this real person telling these real jokes. And then these characters come up. I kind of think that though, that it works better in that scenario than if it's like, it's a if it was a whole night of characters, I think it would be kind of boring in a whole night of right. characters, but there needs to be like a little bit of that setup ahead of time of like, this is, a, cause I always get like the host to say like, you know, 
this is kind of a weird booking like this a bunch of a bunch of weird stuff came through normally we wouldn't do this but they're here tonight and they're they're a christian couple so i hope you guys will be real cool with them and then people get it immediately but it's so much better than if it would just be like here's some more comics yeah and it would just people would spend more time trying to figure it out i don't mind some time trying to figure it out but you hope that a smart audience will not have to spend too much time going like was there really a mistake you know or it's I, I've certainly had you know people try and book me on nights or people book me on nights where they're like oh we have a bunch of guitar comics that night you'll fit right in and I'm always like no 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 like let me my guitar is my bedazzled denim jacket you yeah know, let me be the only one here let me be the the break from the other stuff yeah um, yeah and that's uh, that's always way more successful um. Is it Saturn Cube or is it Storm Cube? Oh the, yeah, the Reddit I, shit. Yeah, the I fucking, think it was Saturn Cube. I went and yeah, joined Saturn Cube. The so what? Okay, I went and joined that subreddit now. Oh yeah, yeah. And I look at it every day, and it's fucking bananas. Uh, is it, it? I think people just hate shapes. Is that the? Yeah, where, I think geometry is a real, <laughs> very, very occult. I think. What What happened? Break, the, Mike. Explain this. <laughs> I uh, I do not know. Somebody just sent me uh, a, a lovely link to a Reddit. So yeah, the Reddit call I believe Saturn Cube something and just. It, Somebody accusing us of having Saturn Cube sounds like a uh, Transformers movie that went that went straight to the Chinese market. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were the GoBots. Um, GoBots meet the Saturn Cube. Ma 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 mask. Ma 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 mask. Mask. Fighting Saturn Cube on the base of Mars. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, it's just somebody. It, it's a site that just looks at like very because you know there's like the famous like oh, look at the look at a dollar bill and you got the you got the you got the, the pyramid the all seeing eye and what does that mean? Um, which maybe it does, I don't know. But with gamblers, like I can 100 percent tell you that shit looks fucking cool. I don't know, it's kind of <laughs> cool, man. Uh, like the owl, it just we like we wanted to call it underneath that album, underneath the owl, because like oh, there's this big building that kind of looks like a like an owl's head in town. And some people I think have said that there's Masonic sort of there. That's like the urban. Is it legend. a Hooters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> got they got they got juggy ladies working every <laughs> night. Um, but there's a big like skyscraper that looks sort of the head sort of looks like a like an owl and. There's like people thought it was Masonic, but I just like the idea that ah, there's this big fucking owl is just looking down on all of downtown, just waiting for people, musicians and bar workers that's just waiting to go eventually going to come grab one of them or whatever. It's like, ah, draw some Masonic owl. My buddy Chris Pierce was like, oh, this. And it was like, oh, that's cool. But yeah, I guess these folks think that we're into some serious occult shit. So immediately I was just like, oh, yeah, we got to we got to fan these flames. And I just I asked other people to do it, too. And I did. I just translated as much as I could into Latin. And we're just like writing things like, be careful what you look at. We are watching you and stuff like that. And lots of like just just little just just make it vague and obscure. And hopefully it drives them up the wall a little bit. I'm hoping. This is one of the things that's so uh, frustrating with the QAnon wackos uh, 
is that part of me is like this world would be so much more fun if I believed in oh, yeah. any of these conspiracy theories that like, you know, the world is actually being run by a cabal of lizard people who uh who eat fetuses and um you know I I I really think that it's, you know, just It's much more exciting for sure. It's a lot more fun. It's a lot more it's a lot more sexy than like we're just all getting slowly ground to death by capitalism, you know, like by this <laughs> slow churning thing that raises. It's a lot more exciting to go like now. There's literal. It looks like Duran Duran's Union of the Snake. I I think it might it might have been an old Sandman comic that I was reading. I don't know if it was Sandman or fucking Hellraiser. Um, the Hellraiser, Hellblazer, which, what was the John Constantine one? Hellblazer. Hellblazer. Yeah. The, um, but it was, I think it was a standalone story and it's about a guy, a mathematician who does a calculation of, um, how many years of just unabated hedonism would cancel out an eternity of suffering in hell. You know, yeah. he, sort of, he does the calculation and figures out it's X number of years. And then so he like does some incantation, you know, gets the devil to appear. Uh, but actually, the devil doesn't appear. It's like the, the devil's assistant. And he's like, all right, I want to I want to sell my soul. Um, I want, you know, X many years of uh, power and coke and hookers and the and in exchange, I'll give you my eternal soul. And the assistant's like, OK, we can make that deal. But like unofficially man i'm gonna advise you that like if you know anything if you've ever read any of these stories like people always come out regretting it and i just you know the you know demon to man just trying to give you the heads up that like you think this is a good deal but it's not a good deal you know and the guy's like no no no. i'm smart i fucking figured this out i've cracked the code i i you know the i figured out the algorithm like the x number of years of just the um you know, the vilest hedonism mm-hmm. um, will make it worthwhile, you know, to, to go to hell, to be tortured for all eternity. I'm, I'm really, I, you know, I can't say more, but the, you think you're really smart, but the devil always gets the best out of these, you know, yeah, the smarter yeah. you think you are, the more it's going to sting. And the guy's like, no, no, just fucking let's do it. You know, so he signs the contract in blood or whatever. They, you know, a thousand years of just, uh, uh, cocaine Caligula yeah and then finally he goes to hell and the assistant meets him and he's like man I you know I hope you had a good time because uh, you know this is hell now and he brings him to the devil and the you know the guy's like eager to meet the devil to see you know because he outsmarted him he bested him and he gets he goes to meet the devil and the devil is just an idiot He's just a blob sitting in a throne, like drooling, can't string a sentence together. And he just has like George W's, you know, he has, uh, he's surrounded by a bunch of Dick Cheney's yeah, you yeah. Know, of like the really um, efficient bureaucrats who do his work for him while he like, you know, picks his nose and eats it. And the... I don't know. That's how I feel. I feel like that's an accurate representation of yeah. our world is that we imagine there to be um, all these conspiracies and skull and bones and the Illuminati and, you know, all this shit. And it's just like accountants, you know, yeah. fucking hitting us with overdraft fees. It's and that's just how- bureaucracy, just a slow grind of all of it. 
And I, yeah, I don't think, you know, and I get, I do completely get why people fall into conspiracy theory. And it's because like, if you don't have, and, and I, I don't have a lot, I don't know, I don't know why I haven't fallen into conspiracy theory other than I, I have no idea why, but there's I'm, still time. I think <laughs> there's still time. So there's still time. There's still, there's still the hollow earth that I haven't really <laughs> gone to the Arctic to try and get down into where all the Nazis live. Um, but, and I'll fight them. But the, the, I think it's like, if you don't have a lot, you know, like I, I got this job and, and I make, you know, 35 grand a year and then I rent and I don't really see a way out and all that. I don't really have anything. I have no source to get more in life, to get more standing. But I do know this thing that no one else knows, that people with way more money than me, I, I have this knowledge that that all you don't know, like, and you're all just walking around in your regular hum, humdrum life. And even though I don't have money, I know where the strings are being pulled and the cabals being pulled. And, and, and there's something that's gotta be kind of fun, I guess, maybe about that. There's gotta be something at least that ocup- occupies some time away from the the grind from that grinding fuck how do i get out of this at least you get to put your mind on like fuck there's lizards out there and they're they 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 eat pizza and babies and i need to figure out how to stop them and you'll never figure it out but you can spend a lot of time you know looking at like at looking at weird symbols on bands and going like huh they did have a song called whiskey at the at the old bar and old that means that you know and it's real you can never run out of stuff to like think about you know it's like i don't know maybe it's just like knowing the names of old actors from you know donald b pelisario <laughs> shows where like there's always something to like dig into and 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 i i think that you know to it makes you feel like you're somewhat elite yeah i yeah. I think that's one, you know, the things, one of the staples of religion is that, you know, the, um, I think the name for, um, you know, the, the faithful or the devout in any religion is, you know, the chosen people, mm-hmm. you know, the, um, what, you know, from sort of native American religions, you know, to, to, uh, you know, Christianity, Catholicism, whatever the, and I, I think that's the, that's one of the things that, um, conspiracies really zero in on smartly of like You're all the these chosen. other people don't get it but like i'm special yeah. i get it you know the my parents were murdered for a reason so i could be a vigilante and like dress up and yeah. fight crime you know yeah and we all want yeah. to be special like that but and i definitely don't i don't think that there's anything i don't know in a lot of ways like you know religion people like joining church i think it's like I mean, I'd have to like pull up the stats now, but supposedly it's pretty low. Like it's been on the decline pretty hardcore since like yeah, the, yeah. the, you know, the thirties or forties, fifties or whatever. And, uh, and definitely like at its lowest point, but there's gotta be something to fill that up, you know? And I feel like it's cause religion's a little like, it's pretty outdated. Like it's pretty like, ah, it's a boat with a bunch of animals in a bush. That doesn't really do anything for me. But the idea that there is, you know, a uh, bunch of Satan worshiping pedophiles that are actively against my guns and my 
the genders in my bathrooms is a lot more tangible and right now. And, and I don't know. So that maybe conspiracy theory is kind of like the new, even though it's not one, but it's kind of like the new religion, like just to spend your time thinking about esoterica, you know? There's not a lot of new religions coming out, and maybe that's yeah. the problem. Is that um, instead of you know the, there are a lot of uh, there's always a new fucking fucked up drunken narcissistic songwriter coming out. There's always a new three or four chord punk rock band coming out. Maybe we need to have the open micers of religions, yeah, where they're just <laughs> regenerating themselves every uh, yeah. every couple of years. I wonder if like new religion guys are super bummed about their numbers. Like, I don't know. It just feels like, you know, like, I mean, Scientology just took off because I guess they had rich parents or whatever, but I'm actually (laughs) out here making up some really interesting shit, you know, and it's just so hard when you don't have, you know, (laughs) he's like working on his TikTok following and yeah. Yeah, it's just I don't have numbers to get the tick. I need a guy to really break down the algorithms for me, figure out how to get these numbers. A social media expert to advise on the new religion. The uh, I feel like a new religion is that's the only thing that you haven't done now that you're doing a podcast in addition to playing mm. in a bunch of bands and doing comedy mm. and acting. The mm. so because you're such a lazy guy and you're not constantly making new music and new art, maybe you should be one of the people to start the storm. It is, it is, it is very much like the, uh, you know, David Koresh was a, was a musician beforehand. This is true. Probably did some, that so like was he like like when he wrapped up his music career was he was like ah i feel like it'll be too depressing to go into stand-up comedy i should just yeah. instead. dude there was a fucking church in some like town of 500 people in illinois that came up for sale today and it was fifteen thousand dollars and it was just a little like white church w- built in 1895 with beautiful stained glass oh. windows full of pews the um little half bathroom and i was legit like for a second there i was like man i wonder if i could sell a bunch of guitars yeah by the church we start a cult i don't know what it's based around the maybe we'll worship my cat that my cat yeah the deity Um, people like cats the it could it could work it could fucking take hold could totally take hold. You just, I think you just got to figure out one thing. You got to figure out one thing that makes everyone happy that they can focus on and then one thing that everyone hates. One thing to point out that we all hate. That's I, a big part of it too. I figured out today that one of the most meaningful things about pet ownership for me is that I can like cuddle my dog or my cat and just be like, do you love me? Do you love yeah. me? And they never respond. <laughs> it's, it's That's constant the, heartbreak it doesn't get any more complicated I than love that love being it's ignored just... um all right we'll we'll wrap up in a minute here one thing i want i gotta ask you though the i mean this podcast has been really weird and really cool for me because a friendship unfolds organically you just meet somebody and you hit it off and then you're friends the and, yeah um but then doing the podcast has given me an opportunity to sort of like interrogate my friends yeah, and yeah. find out 
shit beyond like fucking what bands you're into or not. The but one of the things I really wanted to ask you about is I I this feels unfair, but you're one of the most like artistically productive people I know. The um I don't feel that way at all. I, I never I feel, like, feel you, like I'm getting enough done ever on any I mean, I, given maybe day. that's the se- maybe that's the secret to it is to is to always feel like you're not getting anything done and then you always feel compelled to make more. But every time I look, you have a new record out with a new band, you have a new tour with a new band, you have you know the you do your own solo comedy stuff, you do the the McEwens, you have your acting career, your writing, the um where does that come from? How do you, how do you, is it for me? It's, it, I, I feel burnt out when I'm like trying to just make and make and make stuff. Like, is it ener- Lanigan was like that. He was always putting shit out. Is it energizing for you to continually be writing, making new stuff? The, and I feel like you're, you're always going in fucking nine different directions too. That's, I think that's a big part of it is like anytime you start to get a little, burnt out you've got this other thing that's pretty different like it's a real i mean that a lot of them are all performing but they're pretty different beasts and i i'll, I'll say a lot like i'm trying to get into uh, music or i'll you know kind of be working on stuff music wise and i'll go i think i'm back in music writing mode but it's weird because when i'm there i'm not in writing jokes mode at all and i can still get on stage and do stuff but it's never like i kind of like be in a like this is the i'm trying to be more planning full planning full so I'm in word talk mode now, not in good word speak mode. Uh, but I'll try and go like, okay, well, September is is Dracula's because I'm on tour. So I'm going to try and do some more Dracula-related, like music-related stuff while I'm on the road on top of just like regular day job shit on the road. But like um, I kind of look at – I try to look at it in phases of like this is going to be what I'm working on for this either – week or month and kind of go from there so none of of them ever get too it's hard to get burnt out because they're so different like they're really pretty different from each other and i because i remember when it was kind of just gamblers full-time i kind of remember being in a bit of a just a bit of a couple times getting real burnt out and really burnt out like bad burnt out uh-huh. Sometimes there's like now it's like even I don't think I even have done I'm never really on one thing long enough to get real burnt out. I'm just get to the point where I'm a little like eh, getting a little fried with it. And then when you have something already set up that you kind of can't get out of, you don't really have a choice. Like there's a little bit of like I'd like to just sit around and play video games, but I I I kind of I already set myself up to not be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You have the commitment with other people The you know, being a, being a gamblers fan, you know, and seeing like after I, you know, first got to know you guys like seeing, um, you know, Ian putting a lot of time and energy into broken gold and the, and, and, you know, Fadi had solo stuff that he was working on the, I was like, Oh shit, is this the demise of, and then come to figure out that that's, that's how gamblers keeps rolling is for everybody yeah, for to sure. have their own different things that they do, you know. Yeah. Um, 
different uh, bejeweled hats to wear. As, as totally a- different. Di- we're all different silly hats to go on stage. Yeah, Gamblers, actually, we have a new 7-inch that's done. It's coming out. I don't know. It's in the, the famously slow-burning record plant process. Yeah. Um, well, that, that that's a perfect uh, segue into the plugs portion of the show. Uh, Lock away. The, what's the what's the new stuff? Where can we get all the new uh, the new weeby? Where um, Dracula's right on the road see. next. Jack is out on the road. One? We have a new seven inch. Yeah, we yeah we leave September. I'm doing the High Plains Comedy Festival. That's September like eighth or ninth in Denver, and then the Gamblers play a festival in Denver, and then I come back home, and the Dracula's tour immediately starts. And Dracula's have a new seven inch. That I, I, well, we'll have it on the road, but it doesn't come out officially until the end of September. It's on Drunk Dial Records, and then yeah, whenever that new Gamblers thing is done, that'll come out. I don't really, I, I haven't heard an update of that, but there's like a new Dracula's record that's written ish and half of it's record about three or four songs recorded i don't know it's that weird thing now of like do you do albums anymore or do we just do like singles and yeah. then put out an album at the end of it i don't really have a preference but although it's nice to record three or four songs in a pot like get work on those get those ready and even like you know three three four maybe and then you don't have to like shut down your life to, you know, because if you're not getting paid like real record money, it's, it sucks to kind of like when you do a whole album, like it's never I've never recorded an album, even like the really, really cheap ones that we did on like four tracks and stuff like that. I've never recorded one that didn't take at least like a week of pretty much being there the whole time. And yeah. and and then having to redo stuff and then the mix. So it's it's like so 12 songs is like, it's just a real, and then the pre-production of getting all that, like getting a whole album written is so long. So I kind of like the idea of like, Hey, for the next two months, we're going to work on these three songs on top of all the other, you know, whatever band business you got to do with rehearsing for shows, whatever. And then we'll go in and record those. And then we'll do that again in another couple months. And yep. then it's, it's just it's such a different beast right now with putting out music i haven't figured it out at all like what's the best way to do especially for like the genre of what i do and then also the age of because that weird thing we 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 played uh that punk rock bowling fat that was where Fadi ripped his achilles tendon Uh and uh it's in vegas and it was like tons of you know devo was playing and like lots of you know big punk bands and stuff and there was a moment of like looking around and looking at the crowd and like, oh, this is in 1993. This is what I would have called some classic rock festival. Like this is, yeah. this is classic rock music and kind of realizing like that. However, music is consumed by, you know, there are some young people that like my music for sure. And the genre, but it's also like, I think that a lot of that, the, the real, like when the music industry is talking about who buys music, it's like, they're talking about people under 18 years old. And like, I don't know. I mean, like at this point, it's like slow ride, take it <laughs> easy. Come on guys. This really rocks. We, we are, you know, old guy rock now. And I'm trying to, um, 
I, I don't know. It, it's turning into you know an in, inversion of that Who song where now I'm like, I hope I get old before I die. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Totally. Uh, I have a new perspective on it now. Um now that I'm forty five. You know? Yeah. I know. I, I had forty seven last week and Ooh, that number's real close to fifty. God damn. Yeah, closing fast. The I I I didn't know exactly how old you were, but I always remember that you and JT are both older than me, and you always shall be. I'm the young, <laughs> I'm the young buck. I'm, I don't know, man. I'm going to get a magic I'm, amulet that allows time travel. I'm the rookie sensation, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you are. <laughs> uh, dude, thanks so much for doing this. I love the, it. I'm um, psyched to finally have you on, and uh, can't wait to I'd fucking... I'd like to get you on the... Um... On the international news service, we have guests here and there when I can curtail some stories that kind of relate to them, and then and yeah, then yeah, you, you, Let, I would fun. love to come and talk about uh, ninja shoes. I actually, I would, yeah, when I was I was working at knitting factory one night, and a barback came in, and he was I started dating a Japanese girl, and so he was wearing the split toe ninja shoes at the beginning <laughs> of a barback shift where he was going to be serving like four different floors, and I just looked at him and I was like. You dumb motherfucker. God you are damn. about to have the longest night of your life. Like that. Say goodbye to your arches, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, I love you. I'll see you love soon. You I'll too. see you in uh I'll see you in Austin in October. Awesome. Hell yeah. Yes. All right. Take care, brother. Awesome, man. I'll talk to you later.
Thank you so much for listening. I know there's uh, some million podcasts out there. We appreciate you uh, you spending your time with us. The um, if you're digging the show, if you're enjoying it, if you if these conversations uh, move you, make you laugh, annoy you, piss you off, um, please take a minute to uh, to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, it helps us grow the show and it helps other people find it. Um, if you'd like to hear bonus episodes, song demos, just sort of uh, ranting off the cuff uh, conversations, all sorts of different uh, bonus material, writing advice, uh, personal blog posts and stuff like that, uh, go to patreon.com slash Mishka Shabali. Uh, we will be having monthly episodes up there with my mom and I answering uh, questions from readers and... There's all kinds of good stuff there. Uh, Thank you so much for supporting.